spiritual gifts are a very needed part of the church. Um, and, and, and I'm going to talk about things tonight. It's more than just those nine gifts that we tend to go to in our mind uh, when we hear the term spiritual gifts. At, well, let me say it like this. In the Pentecostal churches, when you say spiritual gifts, people go to those nine um, gifts of the Spirit, uh, like prophecy and working of miracles and all of those things. When you say that in some other churches, they go to some of the other stuff that I'm going to teach on tonight. Um, I think there needs to be a balance of all of it. There needs. How many of you... Even, how many of you knew there were other spiritual gifts in the Bible outside of those nine? Okay. How many of you, maybe you hadn't really heard much on those? And that's the truth of the matter. We don't get a lot of teaching on those. So I want to deal with some of that tonight, and I think it's going to bless us and help us. Um, I am, and I really struggled tonight. I got very inspired today Um for a particular message that I'm wanting to preach. And I really almost considered preaching it tonight, but the Lord, as He dealt with me, I began to feel like that message was really for Sunday. So I'm going to preach it Sunday. But let me just tell you this right now. We, and, and I want everybody to really hear what I say right, right, right here. We need to understand that we must be grounded in the Word of God. We must be grounded in the Word of God. And that has to be more than just rhetoric for us. It's easy to say, well, I, I want to get in the Word. Well, a lot of people say that, but a lot of people who say that don't have any evidence of it in their life. We need to be really grounded and rooted in this Word of God. We need teaching. We need teaching. Um... And and I love to preach, I love to preach, but if I if 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 I could only do one, and we had to grow a church, uh, and when I say the difference, some just for a little silly, kind of serious but not really serious definition, you could say teaching is telling and preaching is yelling. Now it is a lot more. A lot more to it than that. But if I had to choose one, I would choose teaching. I'm going to tell you something. I love preaching. I love preaching. And we need it. I, I got to go to Win Sunday night. Clinton preached here sun, Sunday morning, and I went to Win Sunday night. And Kayla uh, was there. And um, I got to, to preach for them in the absence of their pastor. And I enjoyed preaching. I, I did, but but I'm going to tell you something. Preaching draws you in, but teaching connects you. I can I can teach you. I can I can preach some things to you that will bless you, but when they're taught, they will sustain you. That makes sense, and that's why some people, some people who, who, well, I love preaching, and they can't remember the a message from two weeks ago. It's because it blessed them for the moment, and that's fine. 
but they didn't, they didn't get anything that, that carried them beyond the moment, okay? So I, 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 at Sanctuary, I really want to make a very concerted effort that we, have, that we have an emphasis on teaching in this church, all right? And I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about teaching here in just a little bit. Um, the gifts that I want to go over tonight, there, there are two other gifts outside of the supernatural gifts, uh, two other categories of spiritual gifts that I want to discuss tonight. One of them are the service gifts, and uh, the other would be ministry gifts uh, to the church. And the first ones that I would like to go over are the service gifts. Everybody say service gifts. The service gifts. Um, Romans 12, 1 through 8, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, it's very important that we, we get tuned in right here on the very beginning because all of this is going to be the, the basis that... that it's going to be the foundation that gets us into some of these spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about in a moment. We quote some of this a lot, uh, but we do not get into what this is, the reason for all, for Paul saying all of this, okay? So notice, he's saying, I'm going to beseech you, I'm, I'm begging you. I mean, that, uh, in a literary sense, that's like grabbing somebody by the collar and saying, listen to what I'm telling you. You ever wanted to do that? You wanted to grab your kids up and say, you better listen to what I say. So, so you, you, you've, you've got to really catch this, Paul says. I'm beseeching you, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. This is an interconnected church. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, in verse 6, notice that Paul said, having then gifts. Everybody say gifts. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Before I begin to break that down, I want to tell you this. Paul is giving us, in, in, in verses 1 through 5... Paul is saying a whole lot of things that are prerequisites to you operating in these giftings. Okay? He's saying things that are very, very important. And, and two, at the very top of the list, and you'll find it in verses 1 and 2, one of them is that you present your body a living sacrifice. What does it mean to present your body a living 
sacrifice. Does that mean we go lay down on an altar and, and somebody sets us on fire? No, that's not what it means. If, if it was an Old Testament, you might start thinking in a vein like that. But we're in the New Testament now. This is a different time. This is a different dispensation. God is working in a different way now than he has before. All right? Now, the pattern, everybody, everybody notices, the pattern of how God works has not changed. But the application has Okay? The pattern has not changed. In, in, in the Old Testament, the, the pattern said blood, water, spirit. You put the blood on the doorpost and you went through the Red Sea and the Spirit of God as a pillar led them by day and, and, and uh, cloud by day, fire by night. Um, and, and there's other ways to talk about blood, water, spirit in the Old Testament. New Testament, blood is, is the cross... And water is, is being baptized with him. Uh, as he was buried, we are baptized into his death, into his burial. And then we arise to walk in newness of life. And it's blood, water, spirit. That's the pattern. So God always operates according to patterns. God does not... Notice this. God does not... God does not change the pattern in the middle of what he's doing. He does not change the pattern in the middle of what he's doing. He never has. He never will. The application has changed. But the pattern has not. So we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. So how am I going to do that? I am going to present my body as a living sacrifice. I am so thankful. It seems like tonight everybody's just kind of focused in. And I really appreciate that. Because I think God's going to speak some very powerful things to us. Presenting your body a living sacrifice is saying, God, I give you all of me. Everything. I give it to you. When you begin to lay down your dreams, your plans, your own personal goals at the altar and say, God, that's what I would have done. That's what Kenneth O'Connell would If Kenneth O'Connell was doing what he wanted to do, he would have traveled for several years in business. Then he then he got married and, and had a family and, and, and got somewhere where he could stay uh, without traveling as much. And, and he'd have gone way up in the company. That's, what, that's how I'd have planned it out on paper. Okay? That would have been my plan. If you'd asked me about that when I was about 8 or 10, I would have told you I was going to play Major League Baseball. I never was foolish enough to think I could play football or basketball in the pros. <laughs> but I, I would have tried maybe to do the other when I was little. And, and that would have been my plan. Those things were my plan. But when God begins to move on me and God says, God says, all right, I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to change your life and I want to use you. But if I'm going to, going to use you, you have to p- take all of those things and you have to lay them at my feet and you have to put yourself in my hands. You have to put yourself in my hands. And one of the problems we have is, is learning to recognize the difference between our dreams for, for us and God's dreams for us. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not lost anything. I'm just thinking right here. Because that's a big statement. Folks, 
a lot of people say, this is what God wants for me, and it's not what God wants for them. It's what they want for them. There is a difference, and we have to diligently seek God, and we have to be in tune with the Spirit to the point where we can begin to understand some things. And a lot of very good people have missed what God wanted to do because they got caught up in what they wanted to do. All right? So we've got to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We've got to give ourselves to Him. Holy. Live a holy life. Live a holy life. What, why is it that Christianity of all people... Folks, the world is not the ones that have made holiness a bad word. The world has not made holiness a bad word. Christianity has made holiness a bad word. Man, what a shame that the people who are supposed to embrace it and say, I want that in my life. That's the nature of God. I want the nature of God in my life. I want to be like Him. I want to act like Him. I want to talk like Him. I want to look like Him. The people who should embrace that are the people who are saying, now hold on just a minute. Let's Wait just a second. I, I, I want... I want some of these things, but there's a line to where I want them in my life. I want God's holiness here in this part of my life, but I don't want it here in this part of my life. I'll take God's holiness in my speech, but I don't want to take it in my dress. Or I'll take it in my dress, but I'm not going to take it in my attitude. It doesn't work that way. You don't pick and choose. we got to take the whole thing. Your body has to be a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the other prerequisite here that I want to key in on just a little bit is that he said, and be not conformed to this world. The world is constantly pushing on you and me. There is a consistent and constant pressure on you and me to fit into the mold of this world. That says, well, I understand this is who you are. You know, it it really doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter if you're raised in New York City or California or Nebraska or Arkansas. It doesn't matter. We're we're living in a system in our world right now that, that says wherever you come from, we want everybody to think the same way. We want everybody to think the same way. And there is a tremendous push... For all of us to think the same way. And if you don't think like me on this. Then you're a bigot. You're a bigot. And, 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 and if you don't think like me on this. You're, you're, you're just an idiot. And you don't understand how normal people are. I'm going to tell you tonight. You do not have to apologize. For, thinking, for allowing God to determine the way you think. You don't have to apologize for allowing God to determine the way that you think. Matter of fact, I'll tell you, and, and, and again, when I, when I talk about stuff like this, we're doing some teaching tonight. I'm not talking about us walking around and acting like we're superior. Well, this world's a bunch of idiots, and I'm, I'm right, and they're all wrong, and, and that, that attitude stinks. 
that attitude stinks. But at the same time, I also don't think we should walk around with our head down. Saying, saying, well, I, I, I'm just going to have to get beat up and, and I'm, just, I'm just weird. No, you're not weird. Are you kidding me? Living according to this book? That is, that is, the, that is, the, most, that is the most normal thing for a born-again believer in all the world. Yet the world's pushing on us, like I was talking about, saying... Get get in this mold. Think like us. Act like us. Be like us. And Paul said, "Look, I understand this pressure. You 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 have to remember, Paul, Paul the apostle. He was he was very learned. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was very smart. He was Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was an intelligent man, very intelligent." To the point that it was the, the government that gave him letters to go to Damascus to persecute the Jews. He didn't just go there and, and doing something under the radar. He had, he had the legal backing of the government. He goes to do that. And so you've got, but at the same time, Paul is a Roman citizen. Paul's still, he, he's Jewish, but he has dual citizenship. He's a Roman citizen too. So. He understands the pressure that's being exerted on him to not think like the Jews, but to think like the Romans. Very different ideologies between those two groups. So Paul understands this pressure to be conformed. And he says, I want you to understand that this is going to press on you, but you do not have to give in to it. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. I love that Paul put that word in there, renewing. Because it lets me know that every once in a while, when I start to get off kilter, I need to go get recalibrated by the renewing of my mind. And I'll just be honest with you tonight and tell you that there are times that I have to do that. If I go through a situation long enough and I keep battling up against the same thing and I keep feeling like I'm hitting a brick wall and that thing keeps, keeps, uh, keeps confronting me, if I face that for a prolonged period of time, I'm going to tell you about Kenneth O'Connell, okay? My... My tendency is going to be to get very frustrated. Anybody here get frustrated? I'm going to get very, very frustrated. And, and, you know, I may go into that thing and feeling like, well, the Lord's going to be with me. The Lord's going to fight my battles. You know, I'm, here I go. It's Sunday, it's Sunday morning preaching. Oh, praise the Lord. Woo! Going to kick the devil in the teeth. All that kind of stuff, right? And, and I feel like that on day one. And, I'm still doing that on day three, and but you let a week, or or you let a month, or you let six months, or you let a year go by. And at some point, I, I'm saying, I'm frustrated here. What do I need to do when, when doubt wants to creep in? Somebody help me right now. Act like I'm not talking to myself. When doubt wants to creep in, and fear wants to creep in, and all, what do I do? I have to be renewed 
by the transforming of my mind. I have to find a place and say, okay, God, I'm not thinking right. My thinking's getting messed up. And I need some help right now, Lord. I need you to renew my mind. And I want to thank God, because I've been in some services where when I left, I did, maybe at the time I didn't know how to put it into words, but I can tell you right now, when I left, I knew God had renewed my mind. I didn't think about it when I walked out the way I thought about it when I came in. We've got to allow God to do that. If we're going to get to the point where we're ever using these gifts that God is wanting to give us, that I'm, I'm, now I'm about to talk about, if we're ever going to get to that point, these are things that have to happen. You've got, you've got to learn to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And you've got to allow yourself to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right? Now, Paul said in verse 6, he said, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. I have told you before, I've told you folks before, and I actually told somebody this the other night, and, and that was before I had gone back through these notes. And this is something that was in my notes from when I taught this the first time. Did not know I was going to be saying this tonight when I told somebody this the other night in my office. But listen, grace. Y'all remember me teaching about faith, how, how faith is a pie? Y'all remember that? Faith is a pie. And there's pieces of the pie. Grace is the same way. It's a manifold concept. We typically think of it as salvational grace. Now, I, had, I sang that song tonight on purpose because I knew I was going to deal with grace very strongly. We sing that song, Amazing Grace, and we're talking about how God saved us. And you'll notice, though, the, the writer also begins to talk about how he kept us, right? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. And so, grace is a manifold concept. Um, grace reaches in, in practically every area and aspect of our lives. Thank God for the grace that he gives to us that we're able to walk through some of life's toughest situations because without that grace, I don't know what I'd do. I talked to somebody today that's going to be my neighbor uh, over at, by our property and uh, she was pointing out a tree to me. She said, you see that tree over there? I said, yes. She said, she said we planted that tree for our granddaughter. She died of SIDS. I think a couple years old. Died of SIDS. That's our granddaughter's tree. She said right about the same time we had another grandchild born that was stillborn. About eight months. I mean, it was almost full, completely full term. And she said we lost... All that happened around the same time. And she said... She said it was very, very difficult... She said, it was very difficult. Uh, she said, but uh, the Lord helped us through it. I'm going to tell you what people mean when they say the Lord helped. They, they mean that God's grace brought me along. God's grace brought me along. God's grace kept me. And we need that. I don't know what I would do without that. I'm going to just be honest with you tonight. I can't pastor this church without the grace of God on my life can't do it. I cannot do it. I can't be the 
husband and the dad that I need to be without God's grace on my life. I've got to have it. And you see in verse 6 that God gives some, some gifts, and these gifts find their genesis according to the grace, Paul says, that is given to us. Now, think about, remember this. The nine supernatural gifts, and I'll talk about this when we get to them later on in our series, but the nine supernatural gifts are in the Holy Ghost. Okay? Those gifts of the Spirit are in the Spirit. But the service gifts that we've read here in Romans 12 tonight, these gifts are found in God's grace. These gifts are found in God's grace. The Greek word for gifts used in this passage is charismata. It's from the Greek word charis or grace. Grace. It refers to the free, unmerited favor of God. Therefore, the implication is that these gifts are free. They are unmerited endowments that come from God. That means you did not do anything to earn them. God simply graced you with them. Okay? God said, I'm going to grace you with these things. And, and he does that. Um, you know, my dad, my dad was one of the quietest people that you'd ever meet. And, and still can be, depending on the setting that he's in. He was never one that you would have thought would have pastored a church. You know anybody like that? Think, well, I never saw that one coming. And that's how my, you wouldn't have seen, seen anything come with my dad. When my dad preached his first sermon, it was a Wednesday night at their church in Texas. And when he preached his first sermon, they got, he, he was kind of helping uh, lead the service and different things. And they got to church, and uh, dad did the stuff that he typically does. And then when it got time for the preaching, uh, the pastor stood up and said, Well, we're so glad. He said, we sure do love Brother Bill, and uh, tonight he's going to preach his first message. And my mother said, what? <laughs> said, huh? He had not told her. And, and mom told me, she said, she said, it scared me to death. <laughs> she said, because your dad wasn't, you know, just a talker. And she said, I, what's this going to be like? And so dad got up and began to preach. And I'm going to tell you what happened. God helped him. God graced him to do that. God graced him to do that. And, and this is what happens uh, when, when, when the grace of God is operating in our lives. Now, there are some people that are just born gifted in some ways. Isn't that true? Some people are natural born leaders. I have, and, and I've said this before, but I have a friend. And I'll tell you who it is. Paul Price. And Paul... One of the things about him that I have always admired and been jealous of, not to the sense of sin, but you understand what I mean. One of the things that I've always said, boy, I wish I could be more. When Paul walks in a room, the whole room just gravitates to him, you know? It's like a moth to a flame. People want to... And, and and they want to hear what he's saying, and they just want to be around. He's just a great guy, and he he just has that that tendency. And he's always been that way, as far back as I can possibly remember. Paul's always been like that, and there's others that are that way. And sometimes it seems to run in the family, uh, and 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 so 
you know, kudos to those people. That's great. But uh, some of us weren't like that. But there are some people who are just natural-born leaders or they're natural-born, uh, they, they've got a natural uh, gifting with music and stuff. And uh, Tim, you know, you didn't really take many uh, professional lessons or anything and and just, you know, kind of got stuck on the keyboard and uh, pastor said, you need to learn this and, and showed him a few things and... and he picked it up and took off with it and, and does pretty great job now, doesn't he? So, you know, some people just have that. I don't have that. If you stuck a guitar in my hand and said, do this, it would not sound good. It would not sound good. We'd run everybody out of here. Some people can operate in some of those natural giftings without the help of the Lord. Okay? Some people are naturally gifted. They can operate in some of those things without the help of the Lord. But you'll never live up to the potential of what God wants to do through you if you don't allow God to help you. Sometimes we call it anointing. They're anointed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it like this tonight. God has graced them. He's given you the grace to do that. Given some of you the grace to sing. Some of us don't have the grace to sing like other of us might have. But so he's given us the grace to keep our mouths shut. God did grace my dad to preach, but after he sang that one special, dad never sang another special. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you allow him to, God will bless these gifts in your life and make you more capable of operating in them. All right? So grace, there's gifts that come to you through grace. What are they? First one that Paul mentions is prophecy. When Paul says prophecy, he is not referring to foretelling the future. In this particular passage. Uh, He's going to get to that later. The word prophecy here has the meaning of testimony. Proclamation or preaching. Testimony, proclamation or preaching. In this particular passage of scripture. What Paul is specifically dealing with. I believe. Is those that, that are gifted to speak to the church. In a corporate setting. Lay preachers would be a good example of this gift. Those who have the ability to minister in different settings. And and some of you have done that and you you do that around here. Uh, I appreciate that so very much. I'm going to tell you, the church cannot survive off the pulpit ministry of the pastor alone. It's just not going to happen. And and I think you need to hear the voice of the pastor. Absolutely. But but in that, in that, God God says, I want to put gifts in you that you can use... And one of those is, I want there to be people who can preach, who can minister in various settings. And, and so that is the first gift he talks about. The second one is ministry. He says ministry. That is service to others. There are some people who are naturally inclined to help. Aren't you thankful for those folks? Their attitude and their abilities lend themselves to serving in certain capacities. There's people who just... They're just that way. They, 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 they help. They get involved. They, 
They are, that's ministry, Paul said. They're helping, they're serving other people around them. The Greek word is diakonia, and that includes a variety of service, work, or assistance. Examples of that would be people who just get things done around the church. Um, I want to say thank you. Um, I, this uh, past week, Brother Terry came up, and he don't want me saying anything right now, I know. But, but I want to say thank you, and these things need to be said because we all need to be reminded this stuff doesn't just happen. It does not just happen. And he got up here and he took care of the yard. And we were trying, we had wanted to get taken care of at some point, but it's been wet and all this rain come down. So finally it got dry enough and, and it was hairy enough out there. And he got out here and said, let's get this taken care of. Thank you for that. We appreciate that. Aren't you glad you get to drive up and the yard look nice? It is not a cop-out to say that is ministry. That is not a cop-out. Now, I understand what I'm saying right now is not flashy. Okay? This is not flashy what I'm saying. I get that. And no one's going to run the aisles talking about mowing the yard or cleaning the glass or cleaning out the baptistry, Katija. No one's going to run the aisles when we talk about that sort of thing. I'm going to tell you, it is ministry. And Paul said these are giftings. Now, I'm going to do something right now that I, I shouldn't do because you, should, you shouldn't do this unless you're going to talk about everybody. And I don't have time to talk about everybody, but let me pick on Katija just a moment. Katija's a great help around here. And, and there are others as well, so I don't think I'm not thinking about you. I just, I'm going to pick on her for a minute, okay? I'm going to make her uncomfortable for just a second. She's a great help around here. If, I, if there's something that we need done and we can't get to it, we know. If, if, if we contact Katija and she's got the time and she's ab- available to get loose and get away, she'll get it done. And not only will she get it done, she'll get it done really well. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I mean it. There are others around here. You do the same thing. Thank you for that. Paul said, these are people who have a gift in their life. Because some folks, if you ask them to do it, they might do it, but they'd be going... Now, if you've done that, don't tell us. I don't think you have. Just don't tell us. I don't know why I got to do this. You got 80-something people show up on Sunday, and I don't want to do this. Well, hey, listen, the attitude that goes with it has everything to do with it. So thank you for those that that help. And and there's people who put lyrics on screens and Jimmy's back there putting putting verses on here tonight and, and helps folks. Isn't that nice to have up there? If we need something built around here, something done, some, something off the wall done, I pick up my phone and I call Charlie Harris. I say, Charlie, this is no, this is no, Charlie, can you, could you possibly help me find a stump? Because I'm going to preach and I need a stump to put in front of the pulpit. Charlie, do you have a sword? <laughs> 
I could, I could keep going. Could you build us a wall? And, he, and, and, and he'll say, absolutely, yeah, we'll get it done. You know, I appreciate that. And I'm taking more time here than I probably should. But I, wanna, I want this church to know that this pastor appreciates those who get involved and do this stuff. Teaching Sunday school. Doing kids' church. Nursery. I'm I'm telling you, I am telling you, right now, if whoever is back there can hear me, God bless you. I saw the group of kids going out there with you tonight. My wife said, even if the thing's turned on in there, they can't hear me. And I'm not me, they have a watch, and they're going to notice when pastor's going over. I'm, and they do. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, thank God for every source of ministry, help, assistance that happens around this church. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. I'll, I'll move on. Third one he mentions is teaching. In this... In this uh, setting. He's talking about instruction. He said, thank you for those who teach Sunday school. Thank you for those who teach Bible studies. You're gifted. There's, there's a gift in you to do this sort of thing. Uh, we, we need teaching at all levels in the church. We need teaching at all levels in the church. Thank you to you, to you men who, who teach on Sunday mornings around here. Every one of them have their own unique style. And I love it. I love it. Because if I gave, if I asked every one of them, said, would you teach on, I gave them all the same subject and said, will you teach on this? They're all going to come at it from their own unique perspective. And we're going to be blessed, however many times it is, by each one of them because of their perspective on it. Thank you. Thank you for operating in that gifting. Maybe you're. Maybe sometimes you do this. You, you operate in teaching. You don't even realize it, but but you're one of those people that somebody says, "I feel like I can ask them a question," and they ask you the question, and you're able to explain something to them from the Word of God, and and they're they're helped and they're blessed because of it. This is a gift that's working in you, Paul says. The fourth one is exhortation. Of course, that means to build up, and that's what this gift is all about. It's about building other people up. To say it another way, it's about encouraging other people. Thank God for everybody around here that encourages others. What a sad church this would be if all of us came here only to be encouraged, but none of us ever came to offer encouragement. What a sad church this would be. And and Paul calls this, this is not, this is not, me saying this. This is the word of God. He says that is a gift. It is a gift. Thank you for that. I hear him out there. He says this is a gift. So we need this sort of thing to happen. Friendship. Phone calls. Texts. Who would have ever thought you'd be saying that? 
But it's a wonderful way to encourage somebody. Cards. That one's going by the wayside. <laughs> Facebook message. Whatever the case may be. You're, whatever you're doing. But you're somehow reaching out to touch somebody. Through whatever avenue it is. Personal connection. But you're saying, I just want to encourage you. I want to let you know I'm, I love you. And I want to let you know I'm praying for you. That, has, that sort of thing has blessed me more times than I can count. When somebody just said, I just want you to know, I sure do love you. And, and, and I came in and I, I've had a tough day or I've had a tough week. And somebody says something like that. And I walk out of here and, and, and my five foot seven on a good day self feels like I'm, feels like I'm eight feet tall. <laughs> they tell me as I get older, I'm going to shrink. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. There was a man in the Bible who became so well known for ministering through the gift of exhortation that the apostles actually changed his name. His name was Joseph. Joseph. And he became such an encourager that the apostles said, we want to change your name. And no longer is it going to be Joseph, which means to add on, but it's now going to be Barnabas the son of consolation or encouragement. Isn't that wonderful? And here's an example of the fruits of this gift. When Paul was converted through his Damascus Road experience and his meeting with Ananias in Damascus on the street called Straight, it was Barnabas who took Paul to the disciples when nobody wanted anything to do with Paul. None of them wanted anything to do with Paul. But Barnabas said, no, you need, you need to hear this guy. You need to hear his testimony. You need to, you need to get a hold of his heart. And so later on, when Paul and Barnabas went on one of their missionary journeys, they took a guy with them named John Mark. John Mark eventually left them in Pamphylia. That's in Acts 13. And he decided, you know, he said, this is too hard. He said, I'm not cut out for missionary work. I don't think he backslid. I think he just said, this is too much for me. It's hard. And so he left. He cut and ran. And, and Paul, he was a pretty tough guy. Paul's the guy who said, I was shipwrecked. I was beaten. I, was, I did all this stuff. I was stoned. And I came through all that. I ain't got time for somebody that says this is too hard. And they walk away. So later on, uh, they're going to have, they're going on another trip. And Barnabas says, hey, John Mark's back in this thing. He, he said he, he thinks he can make it. I'm gonna, I want him to come with us. And Paul said, nah, it's not going to happen. He ain't coming with us. And Barnabas said, oh, yes, he is. Paul said, no, he's not. It was so much of a disagreement. The Bible said the contention became so great between them. That's the only time you see Barnabas getting worked up is when somebody didn't have patience to encourage someone else. That'll preach. <laughs> the contention was so great, they split up. Paul took Silas and went this way. Barnabas took John Mark and went the other way. He gave him another opportunity. But two things are worth noting. One is that when Paul, years later, when Paul is in prison... He says, he writes and he says, would you send John Mark to me? 
because he's profitable to me. Would you send John Mark to me? That wasn't because of Paul's doing, ladies and gentlemen. That was because of Barnabas's doing. And the second thing is, we have a gospel called Mark, and it's named after that same young man. What do, what are you telling me? I'm telling you this, encouragement works. And if you have that gift, and we all need to try to exercise that gift, but if you have that gift, you need to be working it. You need to be getting after it. There's people in this church I haven't seen in a while. I And I try to contact them. I'm, I'm trying to do my job as pastor, okay? But it's nice if they don't just hear from me or her. It's nice when they hear from you. And they say, hey, it's not just... It's not just the guy who's supposed to be watching out for all that stuff. There's other people in my church who, who notice I haven't been there. Is this okay? The fifth thing, and, and uh, coming to a close. Fifth thing is giving. Paul said that giving, there is a level of giving that is a gift. There is a, there is a part of giving that is understood in the Bible to be this is what we do. Okay? And I, and I need to teach on this stuff. It is one of the things that I don't like to teach on morning, but, but I'm going to touch on it tonight and tell you that tithes, tithing, this is a part of giving that God takes for granted that we're going to do these things. It was before the law. It was during the law. It was after the law. Some people like to say, well, that was under the Old Testament law. Read the Bible. And, and it's not, what's the purpose of that? That's self-serving to you to say that. No, 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 no. No, that's about God being able to rebuke the devourer from your life. That's not about me. I understand, I understand that tithing takes care of the ministry. I, I, so, so I understand where people come from. They want to point at the preacher and say whatever they want to say. But I'm going to just tell you tonight, it's, that's, the secondary, that's, that's the secondary blessing of it. The primary blessing of it is that it rebukes the devourer. Say, well, I've tithed and I went, through, I went through a really tough time. The devourer I'm talking about is not only the one after your finances. You need to chew on that a little bit. We've got to give God the opportunity to bless us. So that, that is something. I'll stop right there at this time on that. That is something that's taken for granted. That the, that's, that's the basic level of this. But there are going to be people that Paul's talking about here who are going to be graced to be able to give above and beyond. They're going to be graced to be able to give it above and beyond. It is the sharing of material blessings with others who might be in a tight spot or for the work of the kingdom. The scripture here says that we should give with simplicity. This can mean two things. One, without fanfare. You don't have to announce to the whole world what you're doing, how generous you are. It makes me nervous if somebody comes to me and says, we want you to tell, this what we're going to do. We want you to tell the church. I've never had anybody do that to me, but I know those that have. Well, that, that makes me very nervous. Makes me wonder about your motive. 
So the first part of that is without fanfare. The second part of that is, is this. Which simplicity means to give with liberality or generosity. Do it, do it, do it generously. And, and don't, don't write a great big Facebook, Facebook post about it. Or don't blog about it and, and tell us, you know, what, the amount of money you get. Just, I don't mind you saying it was good to be able to bless somebody. Because I, I do want people to know that there are those that do that. But you don't have to give us the, the details on everything. Well, I have a brother-in-law named Will. And I was talking to his parents one day. And I was thinking, they were, they were, they were very good to this church. And, and they helped us. You remember when we were trying to build this building, we had the problem with the water line out here? Remember that? And, and we didn't know what we were going to do. It set our building project back six months. And we were trying to figure out what in the world we were going to do. And the cost to get all this stuff taken care of was astronomical. It was, it was unreal. We could not afford it. And David Culberson, Will's dad, David Culberson heard about it. They've had their own business through the years and God had blessed them. And he heard about it and he said, what do you need done? And I told him what we needed done. And he said, all right. He said, I got a guy I'm going to call him. And he does that sort of thing. He sent him down here. When it was all said and done, he paid for that guy to come down here. I'm talking a lot of work. And I don't even know how much it was because he would not tell me. He wouldn't ever tell me. And he paid for that guy to get all this. Who, who, who does, David's never been in this church. But he did that for us so we could be here tonight. We ought to thank somebody like that. And got it done. And, I, and I, when I found out that what all was going on with this, I was just, I said, David, I said, you've got to let us pay for this. Or you've got to let us do something. No, 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 don't. And, and just very humbly, very humbly, that's what got me. He said, he said, this is what I want to tell you. He said, he, he mentioned this scripture. And he said, God has blessed Dina and I through the years. And we have the opportunity to do this. He said, and here's how we feel about it. If we don't do it with what God's given us, he'll take it from us and give it to somebody who will. He said, so we want to be involved in the work of God. Isn't that awesome? So that's that is a a gift that we're graced to do. He said ruling, which is the same as leading. It speaks of direction, guiding, guidance, influence. There are some people who are gifted, Paul tells us, to rule. The church needs capable leaders, doesn't it? People that can make decisions. I thank God for our board members in this church who are prayerful and and, and, and help us and we, we haven't had to make a ton of major decisions, but I don't think we're probably very far from the time where we will. And I thank God for godly leadership who are able to rule well. Aren't you? In Acts 15, James showed a tremendous act of leadership when he settled the dispute over circumcision regarding the Gentiles. He stood up. He's pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And they're arguing over that. 
issue. And James stood up and said, here's what I think it needs to be. He said, I've, I've prayed about it. I've talked to the Lord. This is what needs to happen. And he settled the dispute. And it was over. It was done. He gave them the final word on it. And it was done. He showed his ability to lead well. The last thing that Paul mentions here tonight is showing mercy. There are people who are gifted to show mercy. Thank you for each one of you who you just have a way. When somebody's had a tough time in life and they've made some bad decisions and they've done some things that they should not have done and they feel like walking in here with their head hung so low that, 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 they, could, that they, could, uh, they could hoe a row with their nose. And they walk in here and they're just embarrassed about what life, where life has gone for them. And some of you that are so gifted to give mercy, you just walk up and you just let them know how much you love them and that it's going to be okay and we're not here to beat them down anymore. We're here to love them and to show mercy to them. And it lets people know that this, this church is. Would you put our logo up on the screen? That this church is what we say it is. That it is a sanctuary. Thank God for it. Do people in this church make mistakes? Yes. Yes. And there's there's been been some of us that have that have made mistakes. But I... I've never, never had one person come to me and say the people in the church, somebody in the church just really, they, they just really let me know about how bad I'd messed up. Show mercy. What has God required of you, old man? Do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Restoration is a work of mercy. And when somebody falls in the ditch... We don't need gossips. Somebody say amen. When somebody falls in the ditch, we don't need gossips. We need the merciful. When you show mercy, act cheerful. Don't act like it's a hassle for you to have to take time out of your schedule to get somebody back up on their feet. It's not. God's going to grace you to do that with a right spirit. It is a gift. Folks, we're going to get to the other stuff. But hear me, these seven things that I've dealt with tonight, these seven things that I've dealt with tonight, these are gifts that God says, I want to grace individuals in the church with. These are gifts I want to grace you with. How many want to be a part of that kind of church where these spiritual gifts operate? Let's stand together tonight. I feel I feel just such a wonderful sense of community here right now. I I, I just feel that wonderful sense of community, and I, and before we go, I wonder if we would just. I, I believe it's been so long that I may have even forgot the word, but I think we used to call it this when I was growing up. We'd say, "Let's just have a love feast." Anybody ever heard that? Am I the only? You've heard it? Okay, somebody tell me I'm not. Lost my mind. At, down in South Texas, that's what they'd say. You know what that meant? That meant, let's just go around a little bit, and let's just, before we leave, let's just shake a hand and let people around us know that we love them. And, and so maybe we need a more modern term for it. I don't know. <laughs> it does sound kind of different. <laughs> 
But when we leave here tonight, let's leave that way, okay? Would you pray with me right now? Lord, thank you for your word that we've heard tonight. Thank you, God, for these gifts that you are telling us. I've got the grace for you to operate in those things. Lord, I'm praying that people around here, here will understand. Though we're going to get talk about the other things and we want the other things, we don't want those to the exclusion of these. God, we need these. We need these, Lord. We need these gifts to operate. And I'm praying that you would help us. You would, you would, you would let us get a hold of them and understand that these are ways you're trying to minister through us. We give you praise and glory, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen.